Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae has put millions back into the hands of Mississippi citizens, expanding the state's affordable college and career savings program and also returning record amounts of unclaimed money. Check out how Treasurer David McRae's office can help you, your business, or your organization. Treasury.ms.gov. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. If I had someone that seemed like a sister while my days in Nashville, for all those years, it would be my next guest. She fronted the award-winning band of Trick Pony, both grit and elegance. She's got it both. She's got it all. She carried her box of harmonicas around rather than a purse. I think I noticed that more than anything. And I love this girl, so please welcome award-winning singer-songwriter, recording artist, Heidi Newfield. Hello, Heidi. Oh, my. Hi, Steve. Oh, my God. That intro was like uh-huh. heaven. I'm known for my, I'm, a, I'm an award-winning intro giver, maker, doer, <laughs> something like that. You, you are uh, an, an award, you should be an, a multi-award winning everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for, How are you, friend? I'm good. I'm good. I miss you. I just, uh, I know that we, when we left, we left and, um, uh, and. <laughs> You packed the kids up, you packed the wife up, you packed, you just said bye, Nashville. It was a backwards version of the Clampets. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of it like reverse. that. Yeah, backwards. You came, you, you made your name, and uh, and like a smart guy, you went and got out of here and moved on back to <laughs> to the Mississippi. And I, I do not blame you, and I think it's wonderful. So let's talk, about, let's talk about where you grew up, because, you know, it would be like similar for you going back to Northern California. Um so mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about you growing up there because that's the beginning of it all. I, you know, I've getting the beauty of what I'm doing is I get to know my friends even better because I I ask questions uh, right. and we discuss things that we never talked about because we're just all when we get together we're just having fun and we're current. So I like digging Ooh, into right. the beginning um, and and your family life, your inspirations back then, uh, musical you know influences. So you grew up where in Northern California? Well, I grew up uh, in the kind of um, right in the heart of the wine country, Northern California. My hometown was a town called Healdsburg, um, which is <clears throat> spelled H-E-A. Everybody's not Healdsboro or Hill. It's it's Healdsburg, and uh, it's just north of Santa Rosa, uh, straight up wow. uh, Highway 101, um, right in the heart of kind of like Dry Creek Valley, Alexander Valley. I went to elementary school at Alexander Valley Elementary. Which it's kind of like across the street is. Uh, and you would know this as a, as a wine drinker, um, or somebody that appreciates good wine. Um, you know, across from from Silver Oak, <laughs> was my was kind right. of a neighbor of my elementary school. Lots and lots and lots of good wine. But what's funny is just the way in which I grew up was we. 
you know, we pretty much everybody, including my, my parents and my family, all the way back were all ranchers and farmers. Um, and we had quarter horses and we raised some cows, mm-hmm. um, but mainly quarter horses. And that's, that was our line of work. And that's what we did. Uh, I often think, boy, man, I wish my parents would have been thinking a little bit more and maybe raised grapevines instead of <laughs> quarter horses because we'd be rolling it, you know, we'd be rolling in the dough. But I'll tell you what, it was an amazing way to grow up in the ranching life. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it's everything that, that you picture farm and ranch kids uh, upbringing to be. I mean, we were, us, um, I've got two older sisters, and uh, we were all in 4-H at the age of nine and all the way through right. school and helping things like, you know, when you'd sell your steer at the fair, you'd put that money in the bank, and and uh, and gosh, you know, some of that money helped family members get to Nashville, or helped me get to Nashville, helped my sister go to college, wow. and uh, it was just a really uh, wholesome kind of, um, you know, wonderful uh, way to, to to come up learning about about animals and and the responsibility of taking care of them, well, yeah. and it was a musical. It was a musical venture as well. My mom had a beautiful voice, and she would, you know, she would sing uh, not out. Um, you know, we can we can get into that later. But she did she did have some opportunities earlier on in life that mm-hmm. she didn't uh, step up and, and chose to go ahead and raise a family instead. But she didn't have that drive to do it like I did either. But um, my father could sing really well, and and our house was full of really traditional country music um and and just you know it was a wealth of, of horse traders and um you never knew who was going to be sitting at our dinner table right, let, me, let, me, let me ask you this speaking of okay so l- first of all i want to talk about musically and genre wise you know to me you cross the line you've always crossed the line i think that you could be in a rock band or whatever so because you're just a great singer and you'll sound like anybody else you sound like heidi newfield by the way she's my guest down in a mississippi minute uh, how, how, I know, I know, it's, I know that's killing you right there. Um, no, it's awesome. I just am loving it. So, so my question uh, is country life. So when I was when my first time to start touring the country, I obviously did the South a lot growing up. But when we started getting having hits, Heidi, I'd go into places up in Chico, up in you know Northern oh, yeah. California, all the redwoods, and but every yeah. state has this place of sense of country. And I thought oh, yeah. that we were the only ones, <laughs> you know. It's just, but isn't that funny? And it's more country to me there where you are than the hills of Mississippi. So it's it's well, I learned so much about where you lived. Well, I, you know, it's funny that you say that. I, I think all of us who have the uh, get get to do the blessing of music, um, be blessed enough to go play music for a living all around. Create, you know, all of God knows all over creation. Um, we learn really quick about di- different kinds of people than we were raised with. We learned right. really quick about uh, geography and, and the different... Th- this country is so stunning and so beautiful from the West to the, you know, all the way around. And, and I always find it really interesting how uh, we as a, as, a, as a nation, we always want to go on, on vacation to Europe. And we want, and that's, don't get me wrong, I love that too. Right. But, uh, but we always think abroad, abroad. What I've learned traveling uh, in a bus and on a plane to every... You know, just like yeah. you to every every uh, tiny little town to to every metropolis uh, in the nations. I've learned that stereotypes like Detroit, Michigan, or stereotypes like California, just being about Hollywood or San Francisco, or stereotypes like 
Louisiana just being about New Orleans. Um, right. You learn really quick that the, that these states are so much. There's so much more outside of the big cities, and my my raising um, is just so proof of that. I think it's so funny that the question I would get on the road. I still get it all the time. Well, now wait, you're from California. How did you come up being a, a country singer? Yeah. I, I was just <laughs> just kind of it just I kind of do the confused puppy look when I yeah. was you know what it, because. People like Merle Haggard and, you know, certainly Buck Owens, and, and the list is long of amazing, just bone country type of, right. of uh, entertainers came up out of there. And um, it's, it's a really rich, rich with culture. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, you know, people who are uh, a little bit more rural and, and, again, like the ranching farming community. Um, in Central California, you mentioned Chico. That whole area that is such a wealth of farmland, just like what you've got down there in Mississippi, that right. um, in spots that it is, it's mind-boggling how big that state is and how diverse it is. I, I right. kind of wish that they would have just cut it in two. And, and well, they're talking you know, about cutting like, it in three right now. Well, you know that <laughs> are they? No, now, there's some vote going to go down in California. In California, that they're talking, it can't happen. There's no way that like they're talking about cutting no. it in three. I read something the other day, but listen, when I read, it's usually yeah. three in the morning and it's foggy, and I make up. I wake up the next morning, and Gwen goes, "You just made that up." I said, "I didn't make it up, and I wasn't dreaming." And then I, I can't swear, find it. I and thought then, it. You know. <laughs> it, it. That's exactly like song song titles and, and, and good, oh, yeah. good lines to songs. They always say, you know, you. We always come up with stuff in the middle of the night of and course. sit bolt upright in bed and go, oh, my God, that's freaking brilliant. I've got to write that. And if you don't write it down, it's a, yeah. it's a fact. No matter how awake you are, you will for, you will forget it. Do you know I've written entire songs in my sleep? It's like this entire workout. And, I, and yeah. when I wake up, and, and, you know, you're right. I want to get up. I, I think I get up or I can't forget it. There's no way. I wake up and there's right. no recollection. And I feel like I've gone through the process and I'm ready <laughs> to record. And then there's nothing. I'm talking to the great <laughs> Heidi Newfield. We're in a Mississippi minute. I got her laughing. Uh, award-winning country artist, songwriter producer she's my girl man she's one of the best live acts ever we're gonna be right back here in mississippi oh, I don't know minute. what it finally feels like to be doing it doing it doing it i'm doing it right hey folks in the market for new pillows i'd like to tell you about who i believe strongly is the best pillow manufacturer made right here in the usa my friends at beds by design and their amazing omni pillow the omni pillow is made with a copper infused fabric and they use high quality fabric the copper has been known to be antifungal, antibacterial, and good for the skin. The OmniFlow is the foam in the inside. Designed by their veteran team, the OmniFlow is a one-of-a-kind product that is unlike any other material. It is a patent material that adjusts as the weight is applied. They combine that with responsive temperature control that regulates your body temperature as you sleep. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy. And listen to this. They'll donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal? To give away 1 million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to OmniPillow.com. That's OmniPillow.com. Enter promo code Steve Azar and receive 20% off with free shipping. You won't regret it. Thanks, guys. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
I'm Steve Azar. We are with the fabulous, award-winning singer, songwriter, producer, recording artist, harmonica player. I'm talking about a girl that plays harp is cool as all get out. I've always dug that about, but you can play it. I mean, when did you grow up? I'm with Heidi Newfield, by the way. Let me spit that out. When did you grow? When did you pick up the harps? You know, I picked it up early. I I've, I just was drawn to the the sound of harmonica makes. Uh, it, no matter whether it's straight harp or blues harp, um, you know, stylistically, I just always thought that that sound was probably one of the most lonesome sounds I'd ever heard, and I was so drawn to that. Yeah. And um, my grand, you know, I've got that kind of such a boring kind of standard cliche story that my grandfather played, um, and I learned from him, uh, Clarence Wright, and uh, I would sit on his lap and. Every every family dinner that we would have, we kept about two or three old uh, Marine Band, just good old fashioned Honor Marine Band uh, harps in his in his uh, drawer by the by the phone. So it smelled they smelled of paper and pins and yeah. pencils and uh, wow. juicy fruit gum, you know. Oh, and, I love it. And he pull one of those yeah he pull one of those harps out and push his chair back from the table and he'd always sit and play a few songs and then I'd I'd it, listen to that and then I'd. He'd ask me, "You're going to sing one," um, and I'd sing for the family standing at the, at the, you know, head of the table there with him. And I just, I think, starting at about six years old, picking one up, and you know, having no idea what I was doing, um, and and having him teach me a few things. And then, for the most part, harmonica is one of those instruments, as you well know, it's all internal. You can't, it's not like guitar where you can show somebody some chords. You kind of have to sort of get somebody started with a few licks and and show them how to hold it and kind of. And let them kind of go because it's it's all what you're doing with your inside your mouth and uh, and that's where your tone comes from. Um, so wow. I just started doing that, and that's that, that there became my my love of blues. And I would I would right. find myself going into the record store, and my mom just beg her to drop me off and let me stay in there as long as she'd leave me if she could. She'd come back and pick me up, and if I ever had you know money to spend. I'd spend it on records, and I I started buying blues records of guys that I really like. Fell in love with their playing, like Lil Walter, and um, you know, of course, Sonny Boy and Big Bill Brunzi, and right. and uh, Howlin' Wolf, and uh, certainly Muddy, and, and all that. So, and and monster bluesmen like that, and came into the blues like that. My mom couldn't. She's like. Hey, we listen to Ernest Tubb in this house. How come you're, where'd you get? And I said, you know what? Music is music. And I've always had that attitude. Good music should know no genre. I think uh, that creative freedom that, that you and I both are, are now experiencing, um, I'm making my first record on my own. I mean, I'm working with a, a co-producer who is uh, somebody that is, I've always admired, who is a phenomenal uh, musician and, and multi-talented musician. But he's he's cut some great records that have done some award winning records, and I'm really happy to be working with uh, Jim Brown, Jim Moose Brown. Our boy Moose. Yes, you know him. Can I tell you a story about Moose? Here, here you go. You ready? Moose, I get I get a call. One, oh, I get this. I think was it a call or we were there together? And Moose, I just uh, I I beat you. And I said, "What are you talking about?" She wrote a song called Five O'clock Somewhere. And so I go, I go. Okay, you, that's pretty good. And I go, but yours, yeah, yours isn't yeah. recorded yet, and I don't have to be me till Monday is already a hit. And he goes, Alan Jackson and Jimmy Buffett are cutting it. And I went, God, ma, you son of a yeah, <laughs> So you God. knew, you know. You didn't. <laughs> Moose, let me tell you, we toured when I was out with Seeger for that nine months, ten months. That's right. When we out, Bob, right. Moose was playing, you know, he plays that utility guy for Bob Seeger. He's an incredible yeah. 
musician, producer, but an incredible soul. I love Jim. He really Brown. is. He's one of the nicest people that you'll ever, ever. And he's, uh, he's not the guy that's going to beat his chest and say, oh, I'm a great guitar player. And, yeah. You know, everybody knows me as a keyboard player, but I'm a great guitar. He's just, uh, he just does it. And, um, and he's just funny as all get. He's got a great personality, a great sense of humor. And, you know, he, he of all people, um, and of course I knew you knew him through Bob Seeger as well, because I think, I think, uh, except this year was Bob kind of, I think he canceled, uh, yeah, he got he his back when he had a back issue. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, but I'm I'm told he's doing really well. And yeah. I, if anybody would know that, you probably would too. But, but he, um, he's played in that sober. Bu- you know, he's been a sober bullet band member for about four or five years. And, right. You know, that's not exactly. That's not. There's no slouches in that band. No, no. And listen, that. Heidi. Listen, let me tell you. You know, so you know my my former drummer Pietro Luigi Mediani, Cecilia's godfather. Of course, because well, I just from his playing and that awesome name. And 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 her and her his wife is that was former wife, Sean Murphy is an original Silver Bullet band member. She's been with him from the start. So when oh we my God, that's right. when we started touring, she looked at me. She goes, "Why are you?" What do you? Can you believe you're what here? What are you doing here? Yeah, <laughs> I spent all that time. Sean's an incredible cook. Uh, like if oh, wow. you walk, you walk into her house, and there it's an it's a it's a library. I mean, the old school, you know, the house she used to live in of cookbooks. I mean, it oh, is wow. antique, I love and that. and she makes the best. She's an incredible baker, which is a whole different art. But she was the lead singer for Little Feet for a while. For a, and then she also I know exactly I, I don't know awesome. her well but I've met yeah. her a couple of times I know exactly who you're talking about she's a she's a force she's amazing that girl can flat out go man I mean she so she sang with uh, uh, was it Winwood she sang with Clapton she sang with Meatloaf yeah. and Hair she was in that <laughs> thing I mean she's a, it's legendary stuff Bruce Hornsby right. She, she's done it all. She's this incredible backup singer, but original member of the Bob Seger and Silver Bullet Band. So, so she's... That's, isn't that awesome? Yeah, she's a yeah. great girl. All right, we're, we, we ventured off a little bit. All right, okay, so... But I, that, that's who I'm going in to cut with in, in, uh, in August, actually. We've got the date set for, set for the middle of August, and um, we're doing this record in a little different way, uh, and I know you've, you've gotten a chance to do this before, um, whereas when you're, when you're cutting with a major label looking over you, uh, you know, the, especially if you've had any success whatsoever, the minute you have some success, where that label starts, you know, they they want to get their fingers in the pie, right. and then they've got way too many chiefs, and not enough Indians, and so they're right. they're coming in telling you what you know what you should cut. And I've always been of the school of thought that if a true artist is in there, you leave them alone and let them do what. That's why we, you know, that label hired you. That's why they brought right. you on to their team is because you're good at what you do. And I was just mind blown at how many labels like to impose their creative, uh, you know, kind of, here's what you're going to do. This is what we want. This right. is the kind of record we want. And instead of letting the artist do. No, and Heidi, what guess what they, they do? Then after it doesn't work because it's not believable and it's not honest, mm-hmm. then, of course, the blame's on you. <laughs> so of course. You of can't course. do it. Well, that didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You and, you know, I, I'll never forget. Uh, it just you know I I learned that early through I, I was fortunate enough to learn it early and I've been hard headed you know that and so I I mean when Rafe and I finally got together Van Hoy who was you know Rafe's incredible yeah, singer songwriter right. when we got together we were in his basement and there was nobody there but his wife Tanya's band from Tasmania Australia oh, wow. and we were making rec- these records I don't have to be mute on Monday waiting on Joe all were were made in a basement for zero dollars and so that, isn't that the best. So when I once I did that, then then I was never going to be right for that because I knew that that was the only way 
it was going to work was just to be honest. And I couldn't be honest with a bunch of, like you said, chiefs. It wasn't. It didn't work. Oh, only you know a true artist is 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 that because only only they know what uh, their their insight, their and foresight, if you will, is is what it's all about. And and only you know what is right, right for you, and, and you know what what how you want to be portrayed. It's your brand. It's your right. it's your your voice, your body, it's all you. So you have to, you know, if there ever was a time right now in music where we need more of that, uh, less kind of, you know, um, and I'm by no means dogging any kind of country, but I do think that people really gravitate. In fact, I don't think I know that people gravitate, gravitate towards authenticity. Oh, yeah, they, so you when can't fool them. Something sounds, yeah, you can't fool them. Well, you can yeah, fool you, them. Yeah, no, you can't fool them, but <laughs> if you play it long enough. Then eventually, you can play it long enough yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. We know that. You can. But, but I do think that that right now, you know, as we speak in 2018, I feel like there is a massive audience, just a massive audience worldwide, not just countrywide, who are jonesing for authenticity. And I don't care if that means real traditional country. I don't care if it means you're more rockabilly. I don't care if it means you're more blues. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what, as long as it's real and honest to you know from you. People want that, and they want they want good songs. I think that we underestimate the intelligence of our audience oh, well, so much in, yeah. in country music, and that that's always really bugged me. You know that that right now you'll sit in a room with Joe Blow Ryder if you are co-writing, and you'll find that um, that, that so many uh, so many writers right now just kind of wanted to make every song happy, which is great. We all want to be happy, but maybe that's not the feeling of the day. Maybe there's some other idea or hook or uh, phrase or a, a, a feeling that would be so much better if it go, if it went dark, if it went down and something. Well, everybody lives through all these emotions and you got to right. feed that. You got to feed those senses. Okay, Heidi, we're going to get into a break, but before let's talk blues and let's talk great. Mississippi is the birthplace of American music. You just talked about your inspiration of hearing the great Muddy Waters and Helen Wolf and et cetera. So you get to play DJ, so take us into the break with Little Walter or Sam Cooke. Oh, good Lord. See I'm going to say Sam Cooke for right now. I feel like it's a Sam, K- Sam Cooke kind, kind of moment. Of Friday. Okay, well, we're yeah. uh, with Heidi Newfield, the great Heidi Newfield. She has spoken here in the Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. We'll be right back. You, you send me. I know you send me. Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Pour me, pour me, pour me, pour me I'm Steve Azar. We are with fabulous, wonderful, lovely, tough Heidi Newfield. Uh, I've got a song that I wrote about our Cecilia, and uh, I realized that uh, she had both both these qualities that you have, and that it reminds me of Dina Carter. There's a group of you girls who, uh, if, if uh, Gwen and I wanted our kids to be raised, we want the qualities of Gwen, the qualities of some things, obviously. But there is a, sure. a there is a tender and tough side to you, and, I, and it's one of my songs off my new record with, that I made at uh, Club Ebony uh, with with a bunch of BB's guys, Elvises, and Little Miltons, and uh, we've been mm. touring together. Oh, that's- 
So it sounds amazing yeah, already. It's crazy, and we turned it into a recording studio. Mills Logan came down for about two weeks. It drove him crazy, and uh, and BB wow. had bought BB King had bought Club Ebony, where he'd met his second wife. Uh, and oh, wow. before he died, he bought it, and the BB King Blues Museum is there, and then right there is Club Ebony, and we turned it into this crazy st- recording studio, and the movie comes out on Quello uh, in the su- this summer. So we're excited about that in 2018. So it documents That's and chronicles of what we did, you know, how we came together, had to fall in love, make music, and it's extremely Mississippi. So anyway, that's what we've been doing. Uh, that's so cool. And, and the coolest thing about that, too, is that, you know, um, that you and I both know that, that uh, it's, a, it's kind of like a blessing and a curse when you talk about social media because it's an amazing tool to be able to uh, reach your your reach new audiences and 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 stay in contact with your loyal fans from the start and be able to kind of you know to let people into your life a little bit. But what you just explained in the making of of this record and doing it in such a historical cool place that is important to you uh, with important people that are um, got the soul got the you know got the uh, the same passion for what you're doing. Um, you you share that not only on, or here on your radio show, but but you share that uh, in video form and content form. And I tell you, people are are I love watching that kind of stuff. I can't speak for everybody else, but I know I love watching the story of how oh, it's made, and it tells you a little bit more about who that artist is. So I'm I'm big on, and I'm kind of doing the same thing right now, just filming. Documented, Heidi. You got to do it. Woman. You, you, you do. do. You really do. You look at some of our favorite favorite artists of all time, just the all the way around. Like, say, Tom Petty, for instance. Mm-hmm. That man was so smart to always have somebody filming their, you know, um, escapades and their travel from back all the way from the, you know, when they came from Gainesville all the way up to L.A. Somebody was filming that. And, I mean, who would so think to do that? It's almost a pain. Who would think? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Get that camera off me while I'm eating a Cracker Barrel. Leave or, or whatever. That's right. Hey, let but me ask you this. To show that it's important to do. So, Heidi, we talked earlier about uh, your love for the country, and you're talking about go ahead and moving a little bit out of Nashville, a little bit well, in Nashville, but just on the outskirts so you can have some land and have your chickens. So let's talk about that. <laughs> well, you know, I have... Uh, you come to Nashville and barely have two nickels to rub together, and I've been through all that. And then you, you know, you we started Trick Pony, and um, back in the in the mid '90s, little like '96 was when we started it. And then we toured around and played every honky tonk on the planet, and we got signed to Warner Brothers in 2000. Right. And, and that first record came out in 2001. Well, as just like yours, you know, you uh, it got it got a little. Uh, we had a little taste of success, and some folks liked our music, and um, it was really a, a golden time. Had a lot of taste of success. Fun. You guys were really on fire. Really, really, really had a fire. good time in the, first, the early 2000s and, and got to make some cool music and got to uh, basically just live the dream. And so with that came, you know, the first money I'd ever, first real money I'd ever made. And so I've lived in some really cool places uh, throughout Nashville. Um, and, I've, you know, I, I went through... Uh, a divorce at the end of 2012 right. and with that kind of I wanted to sort of start really fresh and the new surrounding and uh, I'm, I'm living in the west part of Nashville right now which I had not lived in before and it's really peaceful and it's quiet and and people are just kind but the goal is to find 10 20 acres give or take yeah and uh, and you know 
build kind of the homestead that I've always wanted. And um, I've got a great, a really wonderful guy in my life, and he wants the same things. And so we're looking for some property right now just, just outside of Nashville where we can nab some land and uh, either build or renovate something so that it's it's got the feel we want. Have a couple barns. I'd like to have a couple feeder steers and love you know, it. I mentioned uh, and, and a chicken coop. Well, yeah, because I want the eggs. I'm gonna I want them delivered to Mississippi down you, in the Delta. You I'll do give you my address. Eggs. I want okay, them you're daily. gonna need these. Now let's talk about. So, so I love that, and that's the piece that you know. You know what it is? It's going back home for you, Heidi. It doesn't matter if you're back home at the, in, at your property in California. It's it's talking about going back home. And, and That's right. you know, mentally and, and, and spiritually and, you know, and physically right. being in this, in this element that you call home, you know, that, and I think That's that right. at some point you, you come full circle and it just, it just, it's amazing. You may have been growing up on, on that farm going, and now you, you appreciate it even more and more and more, of course, oh, uh, the yeah, freedom, absolutely. but absolutely. you, you probably wanted to run off of the thing for a little bit and you leave and then you, oh, you, God, you end up yeah. going back to what what it all was there you know i have a lot what of farmer friends all of them say That's you know, right. you i'm not ever going to farm <laughs> some of them you know some of them and then they end up in heaven farming coming back yeah that's right that's yeah. right well i you know i i'm a kind of a black sheep as far as my family i'm the only one that's really kind of run off and and made a life uh here in nashville they they they, they love it and they come and visit me and and so forth but you know i feel like um my mom and and our family had kind of an open-door policy, and as I mentioned earlier in this, you know, we never knew, I never knew who was going to be at our dinner table. I, I would always meet these colorful characters who were trading horses or buying horses from us mm-hmm. or breeding their mares or, you know, God knows what. And there was just a wealth of stories and, and laughter and, and uh, barbecues, and we just had an open-door policy, and I kind of want to go back to that where... Uh, my, you know, it's my door's always open in this particular community, and I love to cook. Um, and and my other half, Matt, loves to cook, and and so we don't have that as much right now because of where where we are. It's not quite as right. as uh, that sort of feel. So that's why the homestead and and having some land really want to be able to uh, open those doors and just you know holidays, you name it, just just make sure that we have a house full. As often as possible, and, and share the love, and, and love it. you know, enjoy writing and bringing the music into the house, and uh, and, and cook a lot. That's that's what yeah. I'm looking. Cooking's for. the best, man. I just listen. Listen, it looks our You're so, a great cook. Well, we've always loved to cook. I don't know if I'm a great cook, but boy, we love to do it, and it's okay you when are we a fail. Well, Gwen's fantastic, but we used to live for live for coming off the road and off the bus and planning that that meal we're gonna have with our kids. And I've always said, yes. you, if you cook with your children, not eat with your children cooking that time is when you get to know them that's the passionate time when the onions and the garlic hit the skillet with olive oil and you feel that you smell that aroma and you're starting to add herbs you're starting to build this complex mill or sometimes not so complex but you're building it right and you're from the ground up they're learning from you and they're yes and they're telling you how their day went and you're really but then when you, you right and when you eat heidi Everybody's on a time clock. Nobody eats the same speed. And right. and these days, kids have you know they have their cell phones, and it just drives me crazy because uh, oh, I know, I know. But anyway, look, I know it's all the, good. Those cell phones are a blessing and a curse. But I will say that we always coming up. I just uh, that's one. What you just said is one of my favorite things that that I'm. I feel so blessed that that I came up. You know, I'm in my 40s, and I came up in an era where uh, just like you, where we 
we didn't have cell phones. And, and so, you know, I'm so grateful that I got to experience life without all that. I want to go really back to the brick it. phone because it puts, and that way people will leave it at home because that was like, uh, that's it was awesome. just magic. It was like carrying a briefcase around. <laughs> yeah. That you can talk into. It was, it was. Yeah, We're talking was to really, the really fabulous Heidi Newfield of Trick Pony. You're in the Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azo. We'll be right back. Hey folks, if you're tired of being tired because your pillow isn't doing his job at night, give my buddy Chad and his team at OmniPillow a go. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy, and listen to this. They will donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal is to give away 1 million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. You'll thank me, I promise. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to OmniPillow.com. Enter promo code Steve Azar. That's OmniPillow.com, promo code Steve Azar, and you'll receive 20% off with free shipping. If you ask me, there's no better pillow on the planet. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. There's something about a man in black Makes me want to buy a Cadillac Throw the top back And roll down to Jackson Town I want to be there on the stage with you, you I'm Steve Azar. We are with fabulous Heidi Newfield. I want to talk about your relationship with Johnny Cash and June Cash. Because you had this great song called Johnny... Johnny and June, right? That was the title. Mm-hmm. And and it was right. your first solo single top yeah. 10 record. Well, I mean, it goes almost goes without saying just how, you know, honored and blessed I was to get a chance to uh, share a recording studio with Johnny Cash um, back with, with Trick Pony in the early 2000s. And uh, he was kind and gracious enough to come in the studio and record with this no-name band. Um, so and uh, Ira had come up with his son, right. uh, John Carter Cash. And that kind of was the connection there. And um, and then on top of that, you know, we, we asked Waylon, who was another one of our kind of hardcore heroes, and uh, and he kindly accepted. And so our first record, which to, to this day is probably still my favorite trick pony record, just because everybody left us alone and let us cut the record we wanted to cut. And uh, for all the reasons we talked about earlier, I think I think it was a better record for that. But we had Johnny Cash and Waylon come in, and, and uh, we cut Big River, which, of course, as everybody knows, was a, a hit for Johnny Cash in two different years. I think it was uh, 56 and 57, or 66 and 67. I'm not mm-hmm. sure which, but we cut Big River, and, and that was the first time I had met John. And uh, June wasn't with him that day, but I, he he just he, he looked at me and said, uh, he kind of took me by the arms, and he said, you know, Heidi, I, I think you need to come to the lake house and, and meet June. <laughs> and I just remember going, well, yeah, they win, you know, and uh, what a cool so I did. And, and I, I showed up over there. Fortunately, I was invited. I didn't just show up. But right. I, I just, that started off, um, it was towards the end of both of their lives. Uh, you know, this was in the really early 2000s, and they both left us in 2004. So right. I didn't I didn't get to know them as long as I would have loved, but I'm so grateful that I got to be around them as a couple, um, 
numerous times and share meals and get to know the couple that they really were inside their home and, and on their property. And then uh, Ira Dean, my, my former Trek Pony partner, and I went to Jamaica per Johnny's request, and, and uh, we, spent, we spent Christmas with Johnny and, uh, and June Carter. Oh, I love it. Um, just the four of us, and, and we had the most amazing time, and Johnny felt inspired, and, you know, he I'll never forget him standing in the, you know, in the middle of this big, gorgeous home built in the 1700s on top of Montego Bay, and just belting out some things that he had never shared with anybody else uh, with the National Symphony behind it. And, you know, he was so excited about it. He, you know, he heard what we had cut with him, and he loved what he heard, so that kind of inspired him. And uh, just to watch him sing and, uh, in, you know, for just us and see that, that spark still in his eye was right. really, really, really something I'll never uh, forget. And he wow. just was a lovely man. And June was, oh, my God, June Carter. I cannot even tell you how much I loved her. She was just one of the most naturally funny people uh, and engaging people. Like, you couldn't help but just hope she'd pull you in. And uh, so... Fast forward um, uh, to about 2006, 2007, and I was sitting in a writing room on on 17th Avenue here in Nashville, and I was uh, sitting there with two really great writers, uh, Stephanie Smith and Deanna Bryant. Yeah, oh and yeah. They both said said to me, um, you know, we we were talking right before you got here, and said, you know, you spent all this time with with Johnny and June. You know, what if we write about that today? I played it for my producer at that time, Tony Brown. And uh, he just, I said, man, I think, I think I've co-written my my first single as a, you know, on my own. And he said, uh, well, let's hear it. And then when I played it for him, he just he listened and threw his head back, and we got done. And he said, Heidi, I believe you're right. I believe. Wow. I, I believe that's the one you need to bet on. So as you know, when people leave bands or for whatever reason um, and go out on their own. It usually doesn't work. <laughs> no, it's a tough it's deal because everybody's yeah, upset. Your fans work. are upset that you split up. You get you you introduced right. yourselves as this team, and then all of a sudden, when when Ronnie and Kicks did it, you know, yes. uh, it was uh, now they're back, right? I mean, it just it's just it's complicated. I think that yeah, it's complicated. Absolutely, yeah, it can be very complicated. And in that situation, one just needs to remember. Right. It, what's best for them and what give them the best quality life that they possibly can make. And sometimes being in that band, it maybe maybe they need a break from it. Right. Well, they, come they, on, man. Yeah. It's just hard to be in a tube together, you know, running down oh, there with right. a bunch of wheels. You know, the thing is, I've been trying to get you guys down to do our Delta Soul Celebrity Golf and Charity I event know. every year. And this last time it was, it was no. a little bit short notice, and I think we were booked. No, it's, it's so. CMA Music Fest. I, it's every oh, year the same yes. date, so I'm I'm done. It's, I can't get anybody that I've built relationships with. I get everybody that I've become friends with over the last whatever years doing, you know, our our, our, years, our, yeah. our charity event friends that we do. And, uh, we've right. Done well, so I many would of those. love, love, love to be a part of it. And, and um, one of these days it's going to actually happen, and we're going to have a ball. Will be 111. I've been with the great Heidi Newfield. If she's on the road, you got it. You got to check her out because this is one of the best live acts I've ever been around. Thank you so much. I love you. And uh, I love you give too. me some eggs ASAP. Give Gwen and the kids a big hug for me, okay? I won't do it. I will do it. I'll do it. Done deal. <laughs> All right, love. Bless you. Take care. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time.
Talk Mississippi Media Production.